Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. What's that little thing on your window there, Bruce? There's a little blue just on the window frame. Is that a little bird? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just a little ornamental bird, yeah. Oh, I don't know I if I've noticed cam- that. Camera at a funky angle. Usually the window's out of the frame, but... Are you a are you a bird watcher? I am. I got bird feeders right on my windows here. I'm sitting right in the bay window, so and I got a big spruce tree out front and some feeders, so I see them right from here. My wife has set up Birdopolis in our front yard. We've got like ten feeders in uh they're all nice. together and man, they are just the birds are flocking to them right now, I can tell you. They're desperate Ooh. for their poor guys. They need all the food they can get, eh? They do. All right, Bruce. Um, the Oilers lost four to two to the St. Louis Blues. It was not a particularly close game, I didn't think. Um, the Oilers managed to scrape their way back into the game down two nothing. They tied it up two two, but it had a feeling of inevitability that the Blues were the better team tonight. And seventeen Grade A shots to eleven Grade A shots for the Oilers, I think, bears that out. Um, yeah, it's the first game back after a break. I guess I don't. I feel like it, it it had a bad feeling to it. I don't want to make too much of it, though, because it's just one game after a break. <laughs> break. They're still, you know, they're missing their top defenseman, Darnell Nurse, missing Yessa Pulley, RV. Of course, St. Louis is also missing players, but yeah, Edmonton seemed a smaller team tonight. They got pushed around a bit. Not, not necessarily, like, physically, but just St. Louis kind of bossed that game, is how I would put it. And... Um, the Oilers were unable to get a whole heck of a lot done, is the truth. Let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your good thing, Bruce? Well, my general good thing is just watching hockey again. It was nice to sit down and watch a game, and I enjoyed much of the game. I mean, the Oilers obviously were were uh, more than a little rusty. Hadn't played for, you know, the last four games in a row were postponed. And they haven't had the same team on the ice for two games running for a while now. Uh, and they were out of sync. Anyway, for a good thing, I will take um, uh, out of the two great shots that scored the two goals for Edmonton, I will take the second one of those by Evan Bouchard uh, following up a, a play where he, first of all, set Connor McDavid in on the left wing with a good pass into the zone. And McDavid, from an extremely sharp angle, tried to bank one in off the goalie's ear, I think. Caught a piece of the post, and it just came out to the sidewall. Just looked like a nothing play. But Hyman went for the front of the net, and Bouchard saw the saw the, the, the opening. And what he, it wasn't a Bouch bomb of any description. It was just a smart, crafty, oh, there's a lane to the net. The goalie's not quite set. Let's sift one in there, and boom, it's in the net. Paul Coffey used to score goals on shots just like that, where he just catch the goalie unawares and just sort of, you know, flick his wrists, boom. And it would be count just the same as an end-to-end rush or a great big slapper, you know. And that was a goal scorer shot for a D-man. I've been saying all along, I think that Bouchard is a really strong uh, chance to be a double-digit goal scorer from the back end. As a, you know, as a, a fairly consistent thing, and now he's already got six goals in 30 games in his first real shot. You know, and that's without any time really on the power play. 
he is an amazing offensive hockey player. He just reads the game so well. He's calm with the puck. He's got an incredible shot. He can really pass. I, I, he should be on the power play. Like it, it's like and I see the argument for him not being on the power play is the, is the astonishing thing. That's a level of talent on the orders. But that level of talent, yeah, he's going to put up some points in the NHL. He is a highly skilled player. And Drysaddle shot Bruce. That was a hard choice because that Ooh, was a fantastic wow, shot. I thought Leon. Leon was probably the order's best forward. Like he, at least he had it going on. He was moving. I didn't necessarily see that from a lot of the other players, mm-hmm. especially the uh, bottom line players, man. There was lots of passengers tonight, like players you just hardly noticed at all. Uh, my bad thing. I Duncan Keith played 26 minutes. He had, he did some good things with the puck. He passed, but passed well. But Bruce on the third and fourth goals, I just found it to be, underwhelming and disappointing um you know the the third goal that's tied they finally get it back tied to all it's a huge moment for the Oilers and um four minutes later St. Louis scores to go ahead and and it comes on a lame turnover by Yamamoto on the offensive end and um yep sure did Nuge then kind of um instead of playing it safe Ryan Nugent Hopkins kind of does the old Matador defense at the Oilers blue line and they they whip right around him. And then it's a two-on-one against mm-hmm. Duncan Keith. So there's already been two iffy plays. Yeah. Um, Nuge's play was like, he, the effort's there. It's just, he's he just didn't doesn't read that properly. He just doesn't think, hey, if I just back, keep backing up here, there's not going to, you know, they're not going to get much. But he decides to be a bit aggressive and it creates a two-on-one down Keith's side. And then Duncan Keith gets beat on a pass uh, into the slot. And, you know, it's just like, come on, veteran D-man. Make that play. Make that play. You know, stop that rush right there. That's what you're paid five point, whatever it is, 5.5 million a year. That's what you're 39 years in the NHL. Not 39 years on earth and how many years in the NHL you know, 18 of them or whatever it is, is a top line defenseman. Like you got to make that play for this team. 17th year now. 17th. So we're, you've, that's what we're hoping. That's the expectation that you're going to make that play. But as much as I didn't like that play, it was actually on the fourth goal that I really didn't like the play. It was a, it was a one-timer power play shot from, um, I guess that's the left. Is that the left dot? And yeah. Keith, Keith's in front of the net, and he just flat out loses a battle. Like every everything in your head, and and it's his head. You'd think has got to be thinking, okay, shots coming. Vet, what does the veteran D man do? He's not puck watching. He's looking for the guy who's going to get the rebound, and he's lifting his stick. He's taking his body out. He's getting ready to win that battle, get inside position, and win that battle. Because the veteran D-man has been there thousands and thousands of times, and he knows just how dangerous that rebound can be. So he's thinking, that's all he's thinking. I'm taking, I'm looking for the guy who's going to get the rebound if there is one, and I'm going to stop him. And he didn't. He didn't make that play. The the, uh, the St. Louis attacker got the inside position and scored the goal. Little, I just found both plays a little bit frustrating, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, I want I. Frankly, I expect more out of Duncan Keith than those two plays. Yeah, well, he had some good plays in this game. He did uh, read some passes and cut him out. He was credited with a couple of takeovers, takeaways, and a couple of block shots. And he had some good, 
good moments without the puck and a couple of okay passes with it. But uh, as you say, you know, the 3-2 and 4-2 goals in a 4-2 game and and he was flat out beat on on both plays. And he did play a lot tonight, 26 minutes and 50 seconds. So that's a, that's a big ask for a guy coming back from the COVID list. But uh, such is the state of the Oilers just now, isn't it, that uh, they're asking people to step up and... Who's back next, Bruce? Do you know the list? When, when, who Holy is? RV and Nurse. When should both be back for Friday's game? Are they? Can they skate tomorrow? Do you know? Or uh, that's a good question. They're, I can't remember. You know, they're not even allowed to join the team until their ten days are up. And Paul Yarby, as you recall, he was in Seattle and he got pulled out that day, and he couldn't get home until to Edmonton until the next day, next night. So he couldn't start his quarantine till after that. Like I was thinking. He missed the game on the 18th. He'll be back on the 29th, no problem. But because it took him so long to get back to Edmonton, he was still basically in the penalty box. Well, they are in the night's game. They are in the states where the CDC has changed the quarantine rule to five. So I don't know if the if the Alberta rule still applies to the Alberta player in in New York. That wasn't clear, was it? If they can go by now, they're down there in the states. They could have played tonight in theory. if they were healthy enough to play and ready to go. So I'm guessing that the the Canadian rule still applies, but I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Well, the players wouldn't have had time to join the team because as far yeah. as I understand, they were quarantined in Edmonton and the ruling came down this afternoon. Didn't didn't it change? Didn't the rule change? Maybe it's today? morning. Monday? I thought it changed Monday. Uh, I might be incorrect about that. If you're saying it happened today. I, I mean, I've been away. Yeah. I was in Calgary a couple of days. So, you know, with, with family. Things are changing so darn fast. Dave. It's, it's hard to keep track of what happens in what hour, let alone what day. You know, anyway, it had, you know, it took sort of been the news has been dribbling out and and dribs and drabs. And that was one one piece of it. Anyway, they uh, they weren't there. And uh, uh, yeah. the Oilers uh, sure missed Darnell Nurse tonight, I would have to say. Oh, did they ever. Well, We'll jump right ahead to my bad thing, if that's all right. And Go that ahead. is the very unfortunate NHL debut of poor Dmitry Samorkov, a player we've been following on this blog yeah. for five years now, since the Oilers draft him in 2017, writing prospect reports, watching him play in Russia, watching him play in World Cup, watching him play in, uh, in uh, Bakersfield. Finally gets his chance. And... He had an absolutely brutal time of it. St. Louis absolutely destroyed him. I hope they didn't like destroy him. Like this would be a huge confidence shaking experience for a young fellow who played two minutes and 28 seconds, got lit up on the first and second goals against one of which was a two man on zero breakaway. The other, which was a one man on zero breakaway. And both times the men got directly behind him. And then he had one more nightmare shift after that where they actually got a save and he got off the ice and sat on the bench and there he remained for the entire rest of the game. Two minutes and 28 seconds. Minus two and one shot attempt that was blocked. That's his entire stat line. Like he didn't have any opportunity to get into the rhythm of the game to you know to impose his physical game which is a big part of his game like he was just a deer in the headlights right from the beginning st louis pounced and they executed 
You know, those, yeah. those were great goals they scored. I mean, the two on zero, you know, pass, pass, roof job. I mean, what are you going to do? Not going to blame the goalie on that one. He was and in then, a tough spot there in a way, because it's like it was going to be a three on one rush. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought he was tentative, Bruce, on that first yes. goal against. If he if he had just if he had gone for it, he would have yeah. won that puck. But Maybe. he did. He was tentative and not uh, understandable. That's how he of the NHL is that extra half a yeah. heartbeat faster than the AHL. And uh, part of that is just decision time. And if you're a little slow making your decision, they'll make you pay in this league. And boy, did they make him pay. Oh, man. I felt yeah, yeah. so bad for him, but what are you going to do? I mean, I, I think it's hard to blame Dave Tippett for sitting him on the bench for the rest of the day or the rest of the game after the, no, the third disaster shift. They had so. a game to win. I agree, Bruce. I, I saw some people were mad about that, but they did have a game to win. He was clearly shaken. Like, he, he, you know, there's times to stick with a young D-man and, and play through it. I, I didn't, I was okay with the coach deciding, no, this isn't that time. You know, the the first one was tough too, because, you know, the, tur- you know, the turnover by Bouchard at the blue line. Oh. And it's, so it's a break. And then the second one, I was thinking, man, did he ever get whipped by Cairo? But then I saw Cairo do the same thing in the third period to his, um, Cuckoo. Yeah. So clearly this is something that, that uh, is in uh, Jordan Cairo's bag of tricks. He's a hell of a hockey player. And um, so anyways, but he, Sam Rukov didn't, he didn't watch the body. He didn't play the body. He just got, he just got beat. And, uh, you know, and the, and the, the, the fact that, I think Jack Michaels mentioned earlier in his game that his Sam Rukov's girlfriend had flown in just for the game. I just thought, oh, that is so painful. Ooh. I wish, I wish Jack. It was a nice thing to say. I wish I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the game, I, it's something I didn't want to know because I just felt I just made me yeah. feel bad for him. And we have seen, we have been following this player. We've yeah, seen yeah. him rise up in major junior hockey to be the best defenseman in the OHL playoffs and in the Memorial Cup tournament. You know, this incredible two-way force at that level of play. We saw him have a struggle like this game in his first year in the AHL in Bakersfield. And then suddenly play this consistent, smart, safe hockey last year in Moscow before he got hurt. So this was just another learning step. I don't think it's the last we've seen of Dmitry Samarukov. He's he's this huge guy. He's a smart hockey player. He He's shown an ability to learn and adapt and improve at different levels. And uh, that's what's going to happen, I think, with Dmitry Samarukov. So, all right. At this moment in time, though, he is uh, uh, on the depth chart of left defenseman on the Oilers. He's behind an awful lot of guys. When If Dave Tippett has a choice of any one of a number of other guys, either Bakersfield guys or depth guys like Russell and Cuckoo, or, you know, that uh, he, this may well be his only game of the season. And what a... What a nightmare of a uh, of a time for him. I, I feel bad. Now, David, you you when you said Keith, that was your bad thing, right? Oh yeah, I didn't. Did you kind of jump ahead thing. to your bad I thing? Did. So we need a I good did. thing. You must it was have seen top, something good in that game. It was top of mind. First was <laughs> all the bad things that happened in that game. Yeah, very much so. Um, my good thing was Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. Hey, he looked like Mike Smith. He looked good. Mm-hmm. Moved the puck well. He, he the team looked better. In some ways around him, it's hard to say that when they give up 17 grade A shots. <laughs> you know, he let in four, uh, four of them. They were all pretty, pretty tough shots, and he saved. You know, he saved four or five, uh, five alarm 
chances, five alarm shots. And uh, he, he was he was healthy. He looked healthy. He was moving well. He looked good. That's all good news for the Edmonton Oilers because, man, do they need Mike Smith. Do they ever need the Mike Smith of last season, this season? And it'll be interesting to see if he plays, when he plays next. If it's next game, it'll be one of the two games, I'm assuming. Yeah, not both, so. Back to back. So we'll see what happens. I guess it depends on how he's feeling as much as anything, but um, what he's what what he reports back. But I, he he looked really good. He wasn't the reason they lost. He, in fact, he was the reason they clawed their way back into the game two two. He made a number of big saves. There was one, one absolutely spl- splendid save early in the second period. After Cuckoo where, turned it over behind the net after the long yeah. long shift, and he made the want the pad save off of. Can't remember who the shooter was, but it was a. A sniper, and he didn't miss. That was a great save. It really was, and uh, it was just a number of there was a number of them, and um, and after that save, it's you know the Oilers started to really fight back in the game, and they looked they looked good for a while there, and then of course things fell apart. Yeah. All right, where, where uh, I saw problems was uh, uh, forwards on the back check. You know, uh, that yeah. there was a lot of there's a lot of wide open spaces out there, and especially that line of Thomas Cairo and Tarasenko, they really had their way uh, with Edmonton. And the fact that uh, uh, Coach Craig Berube was able to twice get that line out against the raw rookie defenseman in the opening seven minutes of the game says that. Uh, uh, the home coach was doing a pretty good advantage, taking advantage of the last change and getting the line matchup he wanted out there. And uh, 200 wins for Craig Berube, a uh, local man from Calhoun, Alberta. That's a nice, nice accomplishment for him. So you see why, one of the reasons why with those, how he won those matchups tonight. Yeah. Um, your number, Bruce. Oh, yeah. My number is 0 2. And that is the big score on the big scoreboard. It seems like early in every friggin' Oilers game for the last month. Uh, zero being the score for the Oilers, two being for the other guys. Seven times out of the last eight games. Not only have they given up the first goal, they've given up the first goal and the second goal. Seven times in eight games. Brutal. Like, they've won one of the seven, and that's about what the... You could roll the dice 70 or 700 times and you'd win one out of every seven if you're down two nothing. Like It is just not the way to succeed in this league. And yet time and time and time again, they find themselves looking up and saying, oh, zero two already. How'd that happen? The orders are getting outworked, Bruce, is what I oh, see in oh. a lot of these games and, and outworked early on. Like, and you mentioned it, the forward's not coming back. That was evident all night long. They just, they've just, you could, They've got to increase their intensity again. And again, it's so first game back after mm-hmm. a long break. They had some hard fought games coming out of the losing streak where they really did work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we got to see more of that. I would have liked to see Tyler Benson in tonight's game. Is he on COVID protocol or not? No, he was just a coach's decision again because uh, they he should be wants in. to see Brendan Perlini and, and Kyle Torres. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, what did, they, what did they get done tonight besides get burned on a couple of chances? Uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, this was Dave Tippett's first game back after three out as well. And uh, those games you're talking where the Oilers were came fighting back, those were uh, during the time Tippett was out. So you know that the many growing howling mob for Dave Tippett is uh, not going to be any quieter after this game. 
I'll be completely honest here, Bruce. The thought popped in my head, I think, for the first time since Tippett took over the coach tonight. For the first time, I thought, I wonder if this team would get, you know, sometimes you do see teams get a rocket boost midseason with a new coach. And it, 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 tonight was the first time that thought occurred to me. Like, and I'm not calling for Dave Tippett's head, but that was just something that just, I just thought it like, this, there's something wrong right now a little bit. And so again, here I am, I, I've said, I'm not going to make too much of this game. So I won't, but that, that was one of the thoughts that did occur to me. Like, Hmm, I wonder. Well, I'm not going to say it either, but I'm listening to the people who are saying it and, you know, there's, there's, there's some rationale to the, to the argument. Let's put it that way. Yeah. My number, and maybe this is a number in defense of Dave Tippett. I think it is maybe is 11. That's the number of defensemen that the Edmonton Oilers have employed in 30 games so far this season, 11 defensemen, Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece, Tyson Berry, who's, I think, playing really well. Evan Bouchard, Chris Russell, Philip Broberry, Duncan Keith, Slater Cuckoo, Marcus Niemelainen, William Lagesson, and now uh, Dmitry Samarukov. That's a lot of defensemen in a short amount of time, Bruce. Holy mackerel, we got a lot of defensemen. <laughs> and those are, a lot of those players are really good players, too. Some of, them are, some of them have, have, are, are good players. I mean, there's a lot. It's eight lefties on that list, you know, and there's yeah. three righties that they basically had all year other than the time CeCe was out uh, with the, and the COVID protocol. Uh, but the lefties, it's been a revolving door. And, they, you know, they've all been getting COVID, half of them been getting hurt. You know, like it's, it's two or three different things for some of these guys. And the righties have been getting the job done. I mean, the three righties, CeCe, Barry, and Bouchard, have all when you add up when you compare their offensive contributions compared to their mistakes and defensive contributions, it all adds up pretty good. These are three solid NHL players, all three of these guys at this point. The best uh, one of the of the whole lot of them is Darnell Nurse, who's having a great season, but he's been out injured. Now he's out. <coughs> no, excuse me, with COVID. And after that, on left defense, Bruce. No one, not one of them, in my opinion, has distinguished himself. The closest in a short amount of time is William Lagesson, who I think has played pretty strong, pretty steady hockey um, in a, in a you know, bottom pairing role. So I, I would, I hope he's, he's the guy I would go with. You know, you're going you're gonna to go with Nurse. They're going to go with, Keith, uh, well, you know, Keith, I think sure. I, Cuckoo looked pretty good tonight generally except for a few plays <laughs> except for a few plays <laughs> anyway but I, I i like lagos and i think they need his toughness and um put him out there analytic starling william lagos now who would have thought that before this season he's always had pretty pretty sketchy uh looking underlying numbers but this year they've been actually really 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 good and in, in a fairly small sample but uh is that right is uh, this is this uh, is on ice numbers so you're talking about like yeah, he's like 60 percent and stuff, uh, way up there. And he, in the past, he's been. I mean, last year the Oilers averaged 16 shots on net for 60 minutes. He was on the ice, like the puck never got into the other team's end. But this year, that at least that part has been way better. And you don't know if it's just a short-term fluke on that side of the equation, or whether he's actually, you know, there's some parts of his game that are developing that maybe these are early signs of him turning a corner. And it's, too soon to know, but I think they need to look at him a little more. 
Especially after, given the alternatives. After 15 years in the organization, William Lagasin's turned the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he, according, according to our numbers, he's also done well, Bruce. According to the grading mm-hmm. shots, he's yeah. he sawed it off, which is really good for a defenseman. Now, he's only played 88 even strength minutes. So right. this is a very, very yeah, small sample size. And I make... I, I make nothing of it except to say he's looked good so far. He's played good so yeah. far. So you, you, he should be, the, I would say he, he'd he be the guy I'd be putting in the lineup because he's gotten it done so far and we'll see what happens next. You know, you ride the hot hand you, and you reward the player who's performing. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens next. So it's, is it uh, New, New Jersey? New Jersey at 11 a.m. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Time on Friday, which will be uh, New Year's Eve which might be a challenge for some people with their, you know, working sort of regular jobs if those even exist anymore. And then they play noon <laughs> on Saturday, New Year's Day uh, against New York Islanders. So back to back, Wednesday night, Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. So the most compressed three and four days that you can possibly get, basically. And that's the only way you can do it because, you know, they couldn't play an afternoon game tomorrow after tonight's game, but they can on Friday and again and follow that up on Saturday. So, Basically, they play three games in under 72 hours. Well, the good news is the two games are close by, like the Saturday-Sunday games. Yeah, it's just bus rides for those ones. This is a flight from St. Louis, obviously. And, um, of course, nothing's guaranteed in terms of who's playing what in the future. We'll see what (laughs) – we'll see how things – We'll see how things come about by the the weekend in terms of uh, COVID protocols and who's out and who's in, so – I'm looking for a spark from the team. I didn't see, I didn't think I saw enough of that tonight. And, and I will blame rust and layoff and all the things I mentioned earlier. Uh, but I thought dry settle in the first five or 10 minutes was going hard. Uh, but I didn't see a time where it felt like the Oilers were lifting their their game and, and, and putting their stamp on the game. That lasted any length of time at all. This was St. Louis's game tonight for... Uh, most of the 60 minutes so maybe they're like me bruce i i mean i've had turkey on christmas and i've had turkey twice a day ever ever since then so <laughs> i could hardly keep my eyes open i've been so i was in such a cur- turkey haze during the game so it's, it's an ongoing <laughs> thing i mean i certainly remember edmonton getting pasted 5-1 by calgary on home ice two days after christmas a couple of years ago yeah trailed for after 11 seconds and never got back in it uh but you know what there's two teams on the ice, and they probably both ate turkey. So why is it that Edmonton's always the one having the tryptophan headaches? They look like <laughs> a bunch of ham eaters to me, those St. Louis bluespers. All right. <laughs> Ham-eating bastards. Okay. Credit to the St. Louis blues. They were That looked like a good they, team. They, they, they played well, and they yeah. deserved to win. You know, bottom line is uh, when you say that at the end of the night, you'd be disappointed in your team, but, uh, you know, Disappointed in the result. Uh, I, to me, it's a fair result, so I'm not it that was, disappointed. It was a fair result. The others could have been worse. Actually, I'd like to see more than one power play, but that's another. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's point. Another. I guess Evan Bouchard wasn't in the St. Louis uniform. If he had been, then then they would have had six or seven penalties for the Blues. So. Bouchard, did you see it? He got he drew the one and only St. Louis penalty, and he got up and he was yapping at the referee. And you know what? He was oh. absolutely right. Because the referee that was 10 feet away, looking right at him, getting buried, head first on the board, refused to call it. And the guy out at center ice called it. You could see Bouchard saying, the guy out there made the call. You know, what are you doing? And I'm well, thinking, yeah, right on, Evan, give it to him. Because, because he's <laughs> mad. 
He could have had yeah, his neck mad broke. For a reason, he could have had a concussion. The like, you get hit like that, you're you are mad. Like yeah. you're you're like as Mark Messier would say, he snapped, and uh, he didn't exactly he didn't even take out him, anyone's like, knee. But penalties on him later, including yeah. one the one for high sticking that was just eight minutes left, down by two. I mean. It's a bad time to be making phantom calls there, Mr. Stripes. But anyway, like I say, the better team won. And that was just a mild aggravation in the game where where ultimately I think justice did prevail in this game. Yeah, I agree, Bruce. But Bruce, I did get a little aggravated. <laughs> Bruce, thanks for thanks for talking tonight. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.